The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Hey, Tam. Hey. All right, so this is calls three and four from Keith Jesperson from this last Saturday. Uh, yes. Would you like to add anything before we jump into uh, the calls? No, these are the ones that we kind of get off track and, like, you know, have and more of a... And ADD. ADD. Yeah. ADD. Exactly. Well, and we do talk about some other things, too, that happened in his life, but this is more like a conversation between friends, you know, friends well, I than suppose. it is, you know. With a little bit of murder. With a little bit. <laughs> Let's jump right into it. I. Oh, no, I got a bad serial killer calling into the show. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah, but here you have, you know, I remember back on uh, September 30th of 95 when I called Phil Stanford on the phone about four or five times, and he wrote an article in the Willamette Week, which uh, was published in October, I think, 4th or 5th of October uh, in, in 1995. It was called uh, Phone Calls from a Killer or something like that. You know, talking of phone calls from a serial killer or some damn thing. It was it was stupid. It really was a, a kind of a stupid way of, of portraying it. Um, because I was trying to call him to let him know that uh, the justice wasn't being done with the Benicase. And they made a big, he made a big uh, story out of it. And that's all he was after was a big story. Oh, it was like that one author that you and I were talking about that published the uh, that uh, whole thing about, you know, uh, talking to Keith Jesperson ruined my life and I got a divorce because of it. And oh, it was mean, oh, that scary. Was, uh, that was yeah. Matthew William Phelps. Yeah, that was it, Phelps, yeah. yeah. When, when yeah he well, wrote you know, that the stuff. problem with Phelps, now, now Phelps wrote me back in September of 2011. And he wrote me about uh, wanting me to be part of his his, his uh, show called uh, uh, Dark Minds, which is on Investigation Discovery Channel. And I ended up being uh, his character, Raven, and we named Raven, right. uh, in seasons two and three, in which I would take a case on that somebody else has done, and it's an unsolved murder case, and I would look at all the information that was available, and then I would give him on a phone call, like I'm talking to you, my best guess scenario to, Fel- uh, to Phelps as well as uh, to John Kelly, who's a, who's a psych at the time, right? And we would we would go through this this case, and I'd give him my best guess on who I thought did it, right? And that was on Dark Minds. Now, you know, now the I biggest problem with Phelps is that he was so mad. He 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 wrote that he said that talking to me uh, ruined his life. It was like right. he was a. Uh, he was dysfunctional and everything like that. He, he's a crime writer for fuck's sake. Right. That was <laughs> our whole thing, too. About. That was our he, whole thing, too. He's contacting prisoners. He's contacting yeah. people in prison all the time. And he's talking to murder. Now, this is what my take on this. He asked me about Now, he said his, his sister-in-law was killed by a serial killer, right? Right. That's what he said. Now, he tells, gives me the facts. Well, the facts are, he, he tells me that his sister-in-law and his brother were living in his basement of his house at the time. He wasn't a writer. He wasn't this crime writer at the time. Right. And he was on dire three. He had no money. Right. And he was he was banging his sister-in-law. 
Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He was, he was banging her while the guy, while his brother was out on the road. She was, she was prostituting herself to him. And it just so happens that night before, she came to him and said she needed 500 bucks for drugs or something. That was his story. He said he needed 500 bucks, and he refused to give her the money. I think it was blackmail. Right. I think it was. I think it was blackmail or extortion or something. He said, oh, either you pay me the money, give me the money, or I'm going to tell your brother you're fucking me. Right. Or something along those lines. But there, right. that's, a, that's how it was. Now, he, next thing you know, she, she ends up strangled or dead in some some room somewhere, and he claims it's a circle, but he, he injects himself into the investigation all the time, keeps asking how things are going, right? <laughs> well, there you go. That's a clue he's right there. like he's guilty. Now, I, I believe he's either guilty of the crime of killing her or right. is responsible for the death of her sister-in-law. Right. And in yeah, some cause... respect, now, if, and, if he, and if that's not the case, then... He's, he's responsible for the fact that he didn't give her the 500 bucks she was asking for. Right. If she had, if he had, had he given her the 500 bucks that she was asking for, she wouldn't have had to go out and prostitute, prostitute herself out to a serial killer. Right. Or whatever. Maybe, maybe the drug guy, maybe the, the drug dealer killed her. I don't know. But maybe he did. Right. And, and I told him this. I said, I think if, 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 I asked him one time, I said, well, were you ever a suspect in your sister-in-law's death? He said, no. I said, that's bullshit. Yeah, because everybody in their life is a suspect. Everybody, every, all family members are, yeah. are suspect to the family member's death until they've been eliminated. I right. think the police should take another look at them. Right. Seriously. I think they should take another look at them and just say, all right, let's take another look at this whole situation here, Mr. Phelps. Right. And let's look at this. Now... He says that I, because I talk to him and stuff like that, it, 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 it ruins his mind. I think it's because I accused him of killing, killing his sister-in-law. Ah. That would make more sense. Right. Well, <laughs> it, I, think that, I think that's why. I think because I, I still believe that he's responsible for the death of his sister-in-law. Right. Whether he actually did it or, or he was, or that the fact, or he's, he's culpable because he didn't help her out with the money she wanted the night before. Right. Well, and if that we, was the case, we find out a lot of times that the people who interject themselves into the investigation a lot are actually the the perpetrators because yeah. they want to well, be right there to know what the the officers are finding. But just consider this: he became a crime writer soon after, and he wrote about and he right. he followed his sister in law's death. Right. And so he listened to what the cops were saying. So that's how his writing went. Right. That's how he become all this great writer that he is. Right. Because I believe that he, he followed his sister-in-law's death, and he, he wrote about it, and that's how come he's he's so prolific now when he when he talks to other people and gets he gets right into this whole deal. Right. And he's a good writer. I've read, yeah. his books. I've read many of his books. Me he's too. He's a good writer. I mean, now, what, is he actually responsible for his sister-in-law's death? I don't know. Don't care. Right. It's just speculation, and yeah, it's and you're entitled to your opinion. It's, it's, I just came yeah, up with an idea, yeah, actually. I think I'm going to write a book. And I'm going to say that... on my part. Yeah. But. I'm going to say that Keith, that talking to Keith and visiting with Keith just totally ruined my life. But then I'm going to say, you know, talking to Todd Colehep, uh, who I've been uh, chatting yeah. back for. Him and the BTK and killer. I, and I mentioned and, my child, and I can't believe I did that. I got too yeah. personal. <laughs> I talked about yeah. my son, Jake. And now, now I'm just, I'm, I'm ruined and, and distraught. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's Jesus. just it. It's like, he's been a crime writer all these years. 
So he's been like, he knows the, you know, the bad things that happen out there. And it's like, if you're in that and you're like delving into the depths of that, why aren't you in counseling anyways? Scott and I have learned that we have to compartmentalize and not take things personally because we sometimes do. Uh, totally, totally. You know? Well, I've dealt with crime writers since I've been incarcerated quite a bit. You know, I, I, right. I had this guy in Christopher Berry D. Out of, out of the United Kingdom. He wrote, he wrote a chapter on me and, and said that I was arrested in the John Slago case for first-degree sexual assault. Right. I was convicted. And that's I, not the case. I, I was, the case was dismissed. Yeah. Right. I, I know about Christopher D. too because I've read away. his the books, too. The whole case went away. And this is, this is, but I, I told him that. I told his publisher. I said, there's no documents to say this. I, I was actually, the case would have been dismissed. What are you talking about? Right. There's no convictions there whatsoever. What are you dealing with? And they had to pull the book. And wow. Of I get a letter from I get a I get a letter from Christopher Barry Dean. He's like, uh, you know, I can write whatever I want because I'm a crime writer and you're incarcerated. So there, aha. Uh-huh. Well, but they can't yeah, claim it's nonfiction then. Well, you know, he's he's an asshole. That's what he is. Right. Agreed. Just is how it is. I mean, right. He wants a you know. He, he reminds me of a, a Zane Grey novel. Okay. Everything he writes, everything Zane Grey want, wrote, you might you, all he's doing is changing the characters. Everything else is the same as the book. Right. And so that's the way Barry D writes. Everything's the same except for the characters. Right. So every time, every every little you, you run into these common sayings that he has in the books. Right. About how he drove around a corner and the hubcap comes flying off and he goes, oh, 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 you know, and stuff like that. Anyway. Right. Well, it gives me the most stuff. This is what gets me about serial killers and the media in general is um, so as I mentioned, I've been talking to like Todd Colehep. If you don't know who he is, then I can, you now talk about that off air. But um, him, everybody knows who BTK killer is. Uh, Dennis Rader. I got a Ward Weaver uh, in San Quentin that I that, that Ward I talked Junior, to. Not the third. Yeah, not the third. <laughs> not the one who killed two girls in Oregon City, but his dad. You know, these are people that the media will sit there and go, look at how horrible these are. These are monsters. They're animals. They belong in cages. And they, they paint this picture of the snarling beast who's sitting there going, oh, I'll kill your whole family. And in reality, honestly, I've never felt threatened by you, Keith. Not even in the least freaking yeah. bit. Todd Cole, well, haven't felt threatened. BTK, Dennis fucking Reader. Don't feel threatened. And the, reason why, and the reason why you're not threatened is because I have a TV set. Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, sort yeah, of. I have a TV set. No, you come to visit me. I'm, I can't. Uh, I can't guarantee your safety if they took my TV from me. <laughs> That's comforting. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. You know what? Fucking comforting. In an episode of Lockup that actually happened. They took a guy's TV and he assault. He like shanked this other guy because they wouldn't give him his TV back. <laughs> no, I, I have a gut feeling you know, that this is a, this is a, this is an incentive prison. Mm-hmm. The system here in, in Oregon is run on an incentive level, so right. you're you're based everything on what you can, you can have. I can have art supplies. I can have all this stuff. We have an 18 hole putt putt golf course out on the right. out on the track, right? We have got baseball, everything. And the reason we have this is to keep us satisfied, keep us in a dormant state of mind where we don't have to worry about killing people. Right. And so that's what they do. They, they they pacify us. They babysit us with a TV set, and that's what right. it is. It's, they 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 make sure that we're 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 kept. And that's right. the way it is. We're kept. 
they don't want a good day in prison for a guard is nothing happens. Right. They don't That's have the... a, a riot. They don't have any of this. It's just a, a normal open the doors, shut the doors. Everybody walks around. No, no fights. No nothing. Right. So then our listeners for a guard in prison. So our listeners understand. While Keith's given that as an example, seriously, I don't even think with that as TV set, I don't. I, I still wouldn't feel threatened. Like, yeah, because you know, you and I get along. Well, we we shoot the shit. We've got great stories, and I like it because when we talk off air, we talk like truck drivers. I mean, we we sit and bullshit and just have a good time. Well, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm telling I'm telling his 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 GPS how to get to places. Right, Which yeah, exactly. That was spot on, man. Well, and that's something that we've had to answer questions to, too, is like, well, when you talk to them and you give them airtime, you're condoning it. No, we've, t- we've mentioned all the time, we don't condone their actions, but they are people separate from those actions as well. You know? Yeah. Your whole life yeah, wasn't... I think, the f- what, I think what yeah. you talk on, on the Florida case here while we're here is that um, the woman that I picked up was looking for a ride going to Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Okay. And she is headed that way for a reason. I don't know why, but she wouldn't tell me. But uh, I was hoping she would have told me, but she didn't. And uh, she was, and she had left. When she got in the truck with me, she saw how much room I had in the truck. She was like, can we go back to Miami and pick up the rest of my stuff? And I was like, <laughs> looking at her, I was like, listen, I said, I, I got a load in Cairo, Georgia. I got to go to Cairo, Georgia. I got to be there before midnight to get loaded. I do not have time to drive from Tampa down to down to Miami, pick yeah, up your like, crap, yeah. fill my truck with your stuff to haul you all the way over to Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Wow. Right? She had this. She looked at how much she just wanted to overwhelm, just take over the truck. Right. When I got when she got in, it was like uh, she was probably so used to giving orders and people following through with them that. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, you want a ride? You want a ride? I'll give her. I'll get you on the way over to to, to Nevada. I'll get you that probably to Nevada. Right. Probably not, I, I probably won't get you all the way to Lake Tahoe because I don't go to Lake Tahoe. Right. But I'm sure I could probably get you maybe to Reno or or Wells or somewhere like that where she's on the way. Right. But that was that was the basis of why she got in because. Well, she was out in the parking lot looking for a ride. There's drivers walking up to her, trying to grab her on their arms and come with me, you know. <laughs> and, and I was like, I walked up to her and I said, where are you going? She says, show me where it was. And well, I pointed to my truck over there and I said, all right, there's my truck. I said, I'm from Washington State. I'm going to probably drive through Nevada at some point going that way. Um, I don't know when I'm leaving, maybe in an hour or so. But if you if you want to ride with me, there it is. If not, whatever. And I just walked away. Right. I didn't I didn't, didn't grab her arm. I didn't push her this way or that way. But next thing you know, I'm in the restaurant and she's standing over me. Why aren't we gone yet? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And like like we stated in the la- the last last week is you know a lot of people say you know because you've been convicted of murder. It's like, why did these women go with him and everything like that? It's like, because he was a good looking man who had like this personable personality that, you know, it's yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like I Caesar Baroni. I was, I said, it's, I, be surprised how many people I've given rides to. Right. To their full destination. Right. Never exactly. Had a problem. Never exactly. Had a problem with it. And, 
Yeah, because yeah. Caesar Baroni, before he was arrested for murdering those women here in Oregon, I knew him because he worked with my mom, and my mom trained him. I flirted with him. You know, it's yeah. like and people like, well, how could you do that? I said, because I didn't know he was a killer, and he was good-looking well, and charming. Because you jaded him is why he turned a new a killer, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly well, he was a killer right before he moved to Oregon. No, don't even Washington give me your Florida. crap. Here's what happened: he didn't have twenty se- bucks, and <laughs> bitch, I was only seventeen. Was, that's all it was twenty dollars. Well, that's, that's what Scott says, or five dollars. Twenty's a twenty, no. Tammy. <laughs> we so horny. No. <laughs> but did you die? <laughs> No, yes. God always tells me, yeah, whatever, Hookerella. 20 is a 20. And I'm like, I have never sold my body. <laughs> no, you can't sell it. You just lease it out. Well, it's kind my of like mother, an apartment. You know, my, my mother, went, you know, my dad always said that my mother went out to earn extra money, right? Yeah. She came in with $12.25. Dad <laughs> says, well, who gave you 25 cents? She said, everybody. That's horrible. That's fucked up, but that's hilarious. That is horrible. They all gave her 25. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and my mom's always famous. Like, I'm like, how much money are you going to give me? She goes, (laughs) $12.95. I just, my whole, my Google just shut down on me. Weird. Yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, it's like really weird. Yeah, because a lot of people say that. Yeah. Well, a lot of people just, I mean, that's the first thing is like, you know, how could these people, because it's not like you were like Richard Trenton Chase, who looked insane, you, you <laughs> no know? Shit. Well, you know, we're not all Hannibal Lecter. Well, that's true. Too. Oh, yeah, but I wouldn't have believed he you was know, a serial killer either at first. <laughs> well, the TV, the TV shows, I mean, this is, right. this is a depiction. Right, exactly. Everything is, is geared on horror. Right. You got Jason, you got uh, Michael Myers, and you got this. And everybody goes to those TV shows, I mean, those movies, right. and expect to be scared. They want to be right. scared. Well, the biggest problem I have with that is, like, you know, Michael Myers can walk really slow. Right. And every time these people are running away, they turn around, he's right behind them. Right, exactly. Or they run slowly. upstairs to get away. <laughs> well, it's like the one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hide behind the chainsaws. Right, exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's a fact, Texas Chainsaw right? Massacre. That, that commercial says, let's get in a run, running car. No, no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. And the guy's looking at him going like, really? Yeah. You going to help me with this? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, but yeah, but that's anyways, how it Phelps. is. So back to Phelps. I, you know, Phelps has a bunch of photos of mine I wanted to get back. He, he's in tight, he's trying to, get me enticed to the idea that I, I I need to call him back or something like that so I so I can get my photos. He's he's like fishing. Right. So he's he doesn't want to he doesn't want to talk to me, but yet he wants to talk to me. Right, exactly. So his his book is that I make him sick, but at the same time I'm making him money, so why not? Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. So um, and that's all it comes down to. Yeah, ex- I, well, I, I think I've served it. my purpose. I served my purpose with him, and that's why he cut me loose, and that's why I wrote the book like that. Right. And the book was the, the Dangerous Ground was mostly about him anyway. Right. Yeah, because yeah. what we read about him being traumatized by interviewing you and everything was on a um, like a blog. Somebody interviewed him, 
And it's like, Scott and I were reading that. And I'm like, really, dude? Yeah, we were really? both shaking our heads. I think it came down to his fan base. Yeah. Right? Oh, totally, man. He wanted, he wanted to pacify his fan base to say he didn't want to come off as being really my friend. Right, exactly. You know, we, we talk like we are talking right now. But it's, he never mentioned how I distorted him until he wrote an article about it and sent me the article one time. I was looking at it. What the hell is this crap? Right. Exactly. What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm making you your you know your anxiety and stuff like this because you're talking to a killer in prison. You you you, you do books on on killers all the time. Yeah. It's you this is your job all the time. <laughs> yeah. What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, yeah. maybe maybe see, maybe he needs to go walk in the woods and take a bullet and shove it. You know, take a gun and blow the top of his head off. I yeah. don't know. Well, and that's just it. He was like, you know, I was so depressed and my marriage fell apart and, you know, I didn't know what to his do marriage, because... His marriage fell apart because he was fucking his sister-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> and that was way before you. <laughs> well, and then, of course, then that's his, his marriage fell apart, but he has, he has a child in Utah, one of these, right. you know, from a book signing, I guess it was a book signing, and, and I guess she looked at him with her goo-goo eyes and... They fell in love for the night, a one-night stand, and they end up having a baby. Right. And, of course, he has to pay child support. And, of course, he's paying child support. He has to go visit. Right, exactly. So is he visiting just the baby or visiting the mom as well? I don't know. I don't care. Well, yeah. I like how you say they yeah. fell in love for a one-night stand. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that what we do? I mean, men are like this. I mean, we look at, we look at, the, the, we look at two things. We look at your breasts and we look at your eyeballs. Right, well, Exactly. Maybe, Maybe three things. We might look between your legs. We don't know. Well, no, later, like, yeah. Whatever it is. I like a nice ass. That's me. Your voice, your voice has nothing to do with it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's how just many it. Beers, how many beers can we... Are you a cheap gator or, or is it going to take a lot more? Right. <laughs> are you the, are you the ugly one night. we walk home with after at quitting time or are you the cute right. one we go home at 9 o'clock? I don't know. That's just crazy. <laughs> See, that's funny now that you mention it, because I have had a lot of guys say, oh, my gosh, you're perky, and your eyes are so beautiful. It's like, thank you. <laughs> well, Whatever. You know, I was always told that I have these nice eyes. Okay. What color are your eyes? That You know, my girl, my uh, Roberta was like, she, was, she, she commented on the fact that the reason she went out with me because of my eyes is the way I, I looked at her. He's oh, okay. probably going to sound gay, no, but uh, his eyes are blue. I, I didn't look okay, like thank the you, wolf, Scott. I guess. I didn't look like that wolf. That, uh, right. They go, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Scott, yeah. you we already know you're gay because you told Chief Whiteclaw he had beautiful eyes, too. <laughs> That's because my dispatcher... Well, I had a cousin named Jim John that thought his eyes were... They thought he, was, he thought he had these beautiful eyes, and they were blue. Really, I mean, really a rich, true blue. Right. And I remember my grandma, who, who he stayed with at one time, and she would never complain about anybody, but she complained about him. Oh, really? You know, because he was, the way he acted and so forth. He, he's one of those guys that knew and done everything in his life. Right. I remember when he came to visit us in, in the mobile park, and I was, I was pouring concrete driveways, and my dad wanted me to have him help me do pour a couple driveways, and and I was I was telling him what to do, and he was he's like, you can't tell me what to do. And I said, whatever, then get the hell out of here. Right. And then my then he then he made my father so mad. He, my dad finally turned to me, and says, Hey Keith, why don't you take him rattlesnake hunting with you? 
<laughs> I said, well, sure, let's go do this. So I went up in the hills. We were out after rattlesnakes. And I said, well, have you ever hunted rattlesnakes before, Johnny? Said, yeah, yeah, I've done this over on the East Coast. I said, oh, really? Okay, well, show me how you've done. He walked up to a piece, uh, like a sagebrush or tumbleweed, and he'd raise it up and stick his head underneath. No snakes in here. <laughs> well, and are there rattlesnakes on the East Coast? Yeah, the Eastern, yeah. Oh. Eastern, Eastern Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was like, really? And, of course, he didn't, he didn't know. I mean, I, 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 so I said to John, I said, all right, now, if one bites you, you expect me to carry you to the hospital? I said, well, yeah. He said, well, if it bites me, are you going to carry me? He said, you weigh too much. I said, well, I might think you weigh too much, too. <laughs> That's right. Scott always <laughs> says, he goes, I don't have to run fast. I just have to run faster than you. That's what I always say. If we're getting chased by a serial killer, I'm going to trip you. I don't have to be the fastest guy. I'm just going to be the one smart enough to trip you. Right. And it's like somebody going up and, you know, grabbing a rattlesnake by its tail because they want the rattle. It's like, dude, they can swing around no, and bite they turn you. turn around and bite you. Exactly. Yep. It's like, no, they will, dude. They will strike you. you if you cut, I'd say that the head is off the snake. Right. Cut the head off the snake. And you reach and you grab your knife and you cut, go to cut the tail. Right. The, the, the head that used to be there would come around and strike at you. Yeah, I've reach. heard that. That, you know, yeah. their head stays, like, active for, like, I can't remember how long. Yeah. So, like, people I've have literally gotten bit that way, yeah. The, the stubby on the end of the neck hit me, on the, hit me right where I was grabbing onto the tail and the thing came around and struck at my head, my hand with its, its little, minus its head. Wow. And I was like, that freaked me out. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, exactly. That yeah. is crazy. Rattlesnake is some yeah. good eating. I've never had rattlesnake I before. Love, I love that. You know, I, I had rattlesnake in, in Texas. I was down there in some rodeo down there. And, had to, and I was down there and, and I was eating rattlesnake. I didn't know I was eating it when I ate it. And a guy asked me, so, well, that's rattlesnake. And he told me it was rattlesnake. I said, oh, I said, what do you think it tastes like? I said, it tastes like snake. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was fed turtle so one time. Said, well, it tastes like it tastes like rabbit or it tastes like chicken or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, it always it tastes, tastes like, like chicken. It has yeah. it has a distinctive flavor. Let's just Very. say. Yeah, well, and that's just it. Is like somebody fed me turtle one time and didn't tell me it was turtle. Right, and they go, "Well, what does it taste like?" I said, "It's like a very moist but kind of fatty chicken leg." And they're like, well, "It's turtle." I'm like, "Oh, thanks for telling me now." You know, but I've never yeah. had squirrel or snake or possum or any of that stuff. And to this day, Myrtle what? the turtle still misses her husband. <laughs> Shut up. Well, I, I told you, I told you about the turtle crossing, did I? Yeah. Well, you everybody was stopped for a turtle. No, it was a turtle crossing. No, I, I I didn't get that story. Oh. Did I tell you when I was trucking down in Texas and I came across a turtle crossing? Uh uh-uh. uh Wow, that was this is funny. This is hilarious. I I think it's hilarious. Anyways, I was headed down to McAllen, Texas. And I had a load of apples on, and I was driving along this four-lane highway, and there's like a 50 feet between the two lanes on, on, on the south and two lanes on the north. Okay. And, you know, Texas is relatively flat, right? I'm just driving oh, along, yeah. and, and uh, I see this thing, turtle crossing. I'm like, I started laughing. What the hell are they talk about turtle crossing, you know, deer crossing, whatever. But it, oh, there was a the, the land, can, it, it drops down into a marshland, right? Uh-huh. The highway drops into this marshland, and it goes for about three-quarters of a more mile. And there must, a, there must have been about 20 of these damn pie plate-looking-sized hubcaps crossing the road at one time, right? <laughs> and, I'm, and, and I'm swerving to miss these damn turtles. And I missed I miss 19 of those puppies. And the very last one, I couldn't avoid it. And I got it on my front steer tire on the half gel. 
Uh-huh. And I hit it, and it was just like, you know, it's like taking a watermelon seed and put it in your fingers, and you squeeze it, and it pops out, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what that turtle did. It popped off the side of my truck and flew about five feet above the ground over to the oncoming traffic and bounced off the windshield of a car going 60 miles an hour in the other direction. Oh, shit. You know what? Right? We and heard it shattered about that, this yeah. guy's window. It shattered this guy's window, and I'm going like, and I just grab another gear and get the hell out of there, right? I'm, I make it about 15 miles down the road, and I look back at my mirror, and I got a red light flashing there, and there's a, a brown and white uh, sedan pulling me over. Right, and I pull over to the side of the road, and he's parked behind me, and I get out, and I walk back there, and he says, back at that turtle crossing, you ran over a turtle. And I said, is it against the law to run over a turtle? I missed nine, 19 of those son of a bitches, right? Yeah, you should give him I credit. I missed 19 of those, and, and I hit the one. He says, well, when you hit that one, it, it popped in and slid over to the other side and hit a car going the other direction. And I said to him, are you suggesting that I did this on purpose, that I hit that turtle with such precision to pop that sucker out and make it hit that windshield and the car go in the other direction? Is that what you're trying to say? And he said, well, at least you should have stopped and exchanged insurance information so that you can turn in your insurance and you could pay for his windshield. And I said, well, and I said, listen, I said, why doesn't he, why, why doesn't he just file on his insurance that a flying turtle hit his window and let his insurance discover you know what that's all about right i mean why is he that? and the cop starts laughing right right and he and, he, and i kind of chuckle too and he's we're both kind of laughing and he looks right at me he says i'll tell you what he says just go on your way and he says if anyone else pulls you over you don't know me <laughs> I had cops tell me that before too because they let me go off something they shouldn't have. Um, but no, it's like we ran into that one time when we used to we had another comedy podcast. But this woman and her daughter were driving comedy down the road. Remaining. Oh, okay. I'll call you back. Okay. All right. You're right, and Scott. And, I'm back. and welcome back to the Flying Turtles Show. Right. The Flying Turtles Show. Yeah, well, Ninja like, Turtle Show. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That is a true Ninja Turtle right there. <laughs> but this, to get back to this, they were driving down the highway in Florida, and all of a sudden their windshield broke, and the mom is like bleeding. And the daughter's like, I don't know what's going on. And they, when they searched the car, they found this turtle. They assumed that it came down off the overpass after a car had hit it, and it just, you know, and everything. It's like, and then the mom thought it was funny later, but, you know. I'll well, tell you, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't you. <laughs> Assaulting people with turtles. Damn. Yeah. We're getting, we, have, we have to add that to your rap sheet. That's right. How dare well, I you? A, I had this deer, right? Oh, I, was, I was going down Highway 97 there from uh, Wenatchee. I was coming over and headed down towards Ellensburg. And I was climbing <laughs> this one hill, and there's a, there's a guy that parked his car on the side on the left. And he was out in the middle of this field with a camera taking picture of these deer out in this, this meadow, right? right? And I just couldn't help myself. And I, my old 64 Kenworth, I reached up, I hit the air horn, and I laid on the old horn, wah, wah, you know. Those deer scattered, right? Well, one <laughs> of them comes running, uh, one of the does comes running across the highway and runs right into the side of my trailer and gets killed right there. And it's... And it, it, Slides underneath this guy's car to the back of the car, and I just keep going. You can just see the guy's mad as hell, right? And so <laughs> I make it down. I'm almost to Ellensburg, and, 
and the state patrol, Washington state patrol, pulls me over, but like it happened in Texas. He pulls over and he says, back there, you ran over, you hit a deer and it slid underneath this guy's car. Why didn't you stop and help pull that, that, that deer out from underneath this guy's car? And I said, well, I said to him, I said, well, did the guy happen to mention that he was the one out in the middle of the field with a camera chasing those deer? Right. <laughs> dear, 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 dear. See, maybe that's why that iguana jumped the fence, Scott. That because that person's oh friend was chasing it. Check this out, Keith. So when we because ha- we're going to be re- relaunching the Scotty and Squatch show, uh, Squatch over here. T- Tammy would find the weirdest stories, and uh, like especially out of Florida, there was one, and it haunted my dreams. There was an iguana that was wearing a bandana that jumped this guy's fence, beat the shit out of the guy, like attacked the guy, and then a woman jumped over the fence wearing medical scrubs, yelling at it in Spanish, and they both just took off. Yeah, and nobody knows what she said or why the iguana yeah, why the iguana those, was wearing a bandana. Or how those two even matched well, up with okay, each other. I got a solution for this. Okay. I have a solution for this. This is the same iguana. That was in Crocodile Dundee. Oh, yeah, or the one that's in um, uh, that uh, Chihuahua, Beverly Hills Chihuahua one, where uh, yeah, the well, the, the rat and the iguana. Yeah, he woke up and he, he had kidnapped that one guy out of the campfire, and the guy woke up and there was a bandana wrapped around his his iguana. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's where Crocodile Dundee. That is, that is so funny. Says, now that's a knife, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's not that, a knife. That's a knife. This that, is a knife. That's a knife. This is a knife. Yeah. That's a knife. Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. So, <laughs> I like these no, theories, Scott. Yeah, they're like mine. They're messed up. I love it. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. No, it's, yeah, because I would find the most bizarre headlines and read them to Scott. He's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, true well, story. So one of the things, you know, when I was out trucking, you know, I'd go into the convenience stores and I'd, I'd come up on the cash register and I'd buy, you know, some of the fast foods they had, like, you know, JoJo's or Gizzards or stuff like that. Right. Now, they also had these magazines that are called news magazines. Right. Which had all these wild, stupid stories like the aliens, abductions, and all this crap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. National Enquirer, you know, because you national because they want to know and all that kind of crap. I would right. read that. That was just complete entertainment as far as I was concerned. Oh, totally. Some of the most funniest things you could think of. Oh, yeah. That is true, well, man. I mean, and that's true because there is a website called FloridaMan.com, and it's all about stupid crimes committed in Florida, like a guy who tried to smuggle drugs into the jail, like, in his prosthetic leg. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. We, well, we've come okay, across some weird you're ones. You're a magician. Okay, Scott's a magician. Well, we had, uh, we used to have live bands that came into the prison here, and we have a, a stadium that come in and play. We actually had uh, a, an inmate, I think, in, in Eastern Oregon, come in to play play a band, but he brought in marijuana in his guitar. Oh shit! Hey, Johnny Cash yeah. did that. He smuggled cocaine in his guitar coming back from Mexico. <laughs> so Just that, that kind of ended that career of that that band coming in to, to play for us. Oh yeah, no, in doubt, a hurry. Yo. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is stupid. Right? That's like it's a felony in its own. <laughs> 
Well, that's a, people don't realize, you know, they come into prison to visit their loved ones and they come in and they bring in contraband. Right. And they're going like, they, they're thinking they're doing us a favor. Right. And it's crazy. I had that investigator come in and she hands me his, a, a pack of cigarettes and a book of matches. And I, I said, you need to put that back where you found it. And right. then I looked at the book of matches. She didn't even smuggle in a full book of matches. They only have a book of matches. <laughs> I said, if you're going to smuggle in a book of matches, make damn sure it's a full book. Make, no doubt. Like a book. That's right. Yeah. Go big or go home. Go big or go yeah, home. Yeah, because you don't want to do that. I can't remember what it's called, where you stick the pencil lead in the outlets and try to light your cigarette that way, because that'll blow up in well, your face. Well, you know, that's the carbon arc. They call it a carbon arc. Yeah. Yeah. But the only thing wrong with that, that that's one before they sold batteries. We have batteries now. Oh, okay. So now all you have to do is take a, a, a speaker wire. Oh, yeah. And hook both ends to one of the batteries and then put a piece of toilet tissue in the middle and it'll set it on fire. Oh. You don't need it. I remember, I remember sitting in a cell there on four bar, Delta block, and some guy's handing me a wad of toilet paper on fire. <laughs> hey, man, you need to hand this down, hand it down the tier, and it's on count time, right? The cop is standing right there taking count, and this hand of fire sticks out on this. And I said, I'm not touching that. Right, no doubt, yo. You know, my Bill, DNA's all over it. That's some Bill Nye the Science Guy shit. You know, they want to light a cigarette or some stupid thing like that. I mean, those are the crazy ones when they do all kinds of stupid stuff like that in here. Yeah no, yeah, no kidding. Now, I used to, when I used to, when I wasn't an A block and I had to go to the yard to use the phone, I was sitting there on the phone and, I, and for one week there I got UA three times, right? They call me in for UA and I'm going like, what the hell am I getting a UA for? Well, I, I finally realized that the phone I was using on in the yard was the one where all the dopers were sitting there smoking their pot on. <laughs> oh, shit. So oh, I wanted to use that same phone, so I was getting UA and everybody else wasn't. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so I quit using that phone. I just went down a couple more phones down and started using the other one. Because you, wow. you look on the tower, and the guy up in the tower would have his binoculars. He's checking out who's on the phone and who isn't. He'd see a puff of smoke or something come out from somewhere because someone might have a rope they call rope made, and it's, it's smoldering so they can light all their cigarettes while it's sitting there. Oh. Yeah. And see. so they, they, they have certain ones they look for. Right. So I quit using that phone, so I quit getting UA. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, because when I was at Columbia River, the work crew people would smuggle in tobacco and other things in, you know, their prison pockets. That's what we call them. And, Is that um, their butt? Well, unless you're a woman, but yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense. You're her cooter. But yeah, but they would come in like that, and I worked in intake down there, and they would try to pass it off to me, and I'm like, are you nuts? I don't, you know, I'll smoke it with you, but I'm not going to take it from you. <laughs> yeah, well, I had this girlfriend come in, Carmen Mullis. Man, she's a really great girl. She'd come in, but the people on the on the on the uh, minimum would be working the lawns out on the front of the prison, right? And they'd see her come in, and they'd walk right up to her. Hey, man, could you bring in some tobacco for me and stuff? Just hand it off to me before you go in and see your man. And and she told me this, and I said, "What's the guy's name?" And she told me the guy's name. I said, "Well, I'll take care of this." And I, I made made it known through his group, the gang, that that ain't going to happen. Right, cause they because they have cameras out there too. Ruin my visit, <laughs> right? Not ruin my visit by having her bring in stuff for your people. Right. So I, we're not playing this game, right? We're not playing this game. Yeah, no doubt. And and, and she was she's just a great girl, but she's 
caught up with this prison mentality that's coming into prison. Right. This is, you got to watch everybody that's not everyone's looking after your best interest in here. Oh, that well, and that is totally true, right there. You know, they're looking out for their best interest. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, I wish I wish I had not broke up with Carmen. Right. But the, I only broke up with Carmen because of her his, her her son Zane, Zane Black or Zane. Oh yeah, you told Paul. yeah. And and I just felt sorry for the kid. I thought that he needed a better representation for a dad than, right. than a serial killer in prison. Right. I just I just thought that you know they, she should find somebody on the street that is better for the family unit than being tied to someone in prison. Although I've been to a lot of lifers meetings and, and banquets where they have the family members come in and they're, they're perfectly happy with each other and everything's going great. But I just I just. I couldn't fathom that idea for a long time. Right. Yeah, I, I get it. Because that's one thing that Patrick Kearney told Scott is I don't make phone calls and I don't take visits. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I can like, understand yeah. That. yeah. He doesn't want to get involved in, in that, uh, that part of the prison. Right. Because, and that's too that, you know, when especially if you're doing life without parole, when you're reminded about the outside, it gets depressing on the inside. Well, it slows everything down. Yeah. A visit will slow everything down. And then you, once you get past now, for a long time, I wouldn't even talk to people like you because it slowed me down. Slowed my okay. time down. I get it. it. You know, I get people writing all the time. I get them from Australia, from France, you know, Poland and stuff like that. And uh, they all think that, I'm locked down 23-7. Yeah. They don't realize that I have a job. I, I, I work in, a, I'm in general population. I, I walk the yard. I, I walk, you know, I'm not, not held in a cell all the time. Right. And and I, I do artwork, I, you know, and I draw. And, and it's, the amount of time I have, like these two hours I spend with you on Saturday morning. Right. Is, uh, is a refreshing two, two hours. Right. But I... I'll, I'll go back to my cell and I'll draw for, you know, for half a day. Then I'll go to work. Right. And then by that time, it's time for me to come home and go to bed. Because oh, I, yeah. I go to sleep about 9 o'clock. I'm wow. Old, right? That's I not as early as Scott. Scott goes to, I mean, he gets early bird dinner at some old people restaurant well, and comes oh, back oh. to bed by 6. Why are you so fucking mean over <laughs> there? Jesus Christ. you're an old Christ. damn man. <laughs> I'm in bed at 7.30 so I can get up at 3, 3.30 yeah, in the morning. Yeah, whatever. Well, he's Fucker. a truck driver. He has to have his sleep. That's, <laughs> truck drivers learn to sleep at any time and anywhere. Thank you, right. Casey. He's got my back, but not old Tammy over here. Jesus Well, because I'm a chronic insomniac, and I have been since I was a teenager. Well, you're a chronic and, something. <laughs> shut up. And um, I will. I always feel if I can get four hours a night and it doesn't have to be straight, I'm happy. Because I'll sleep for an hour, and then I'll be up for an hour, and I'll sleep for an hour. Well, and it's like, yeah, and well, people I'll... tell me, I got eight hours. I'm like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> well, when I was driving, I, was, I would drive all night, and... When the sun starts climbing over, starts seeing the sun come up, I pull over and take an hour of sleep because that's the hardest time to stay awake when the sun's just coming up. Yep, that right. is a fact. And I'd go to sleep for about an hour, and when the sun's finally up in the sky, then I can drive again. But that hour I got will make up for like eight hours. It's just, but I wouldn't sleep in my sleeper. I'd lean oh. against the steering wheel and, and get an hour that way. Oh, wow. 
Scott lays across his I bench seat. If I crawl to sleeper, I'd be no control of that. I'd, I'd sleep for a long time. Right. Scott will lay yeah, across his be bench seat when he has to, like, do whatever with his truck. I got two bucket seats, man. I, I, oh. I just stretch my legs across them and lean against the door and rack out for 15, 20 minutes, and I'm golden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he always says, I'm going to pull over and take a nap. I'm like, whatever, old man. <laughs> hey, man, I get yeah. tired. Well, you learn, to, you learn to sleep wherever you can. That's right. Yeah. Right. Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. <laughs> no, well, I call know, Scott like, an old man because he's like a year and a couple months older than me. <laughs> well, the old days, the old, I, old days of trucking was you'd take off from the West Coast and you wouldn't stop except for fuel and a few like to eat till you got to the East Coast. Right. Mm-hmm. And that would be days, you know, four or five days later you're on this and you're, sending, you're up all the time. Right. And then your logbook... While you're waiting for your next load, your logbook is catching up to you. Right. That's and, why a lot of you're yeah. ready to drive again. It's just, but nowadays you have the electronic logging, to where right. you, you're kind of limited to what you can and cannot do. And it sucks. Yes, I'm Scott telling hates you, man, it. it. He sucks. also hates the cameras in the cab. Well, yeah, that's because <laughs> I can't like. I don't know, because you, you're you always being watched. That's the thing. Like I'm afraid, like if I blow my nose, is well, somebody that, watching you can thank me? Me for that. <laughs> oh, good going, Keith. Thanks, Thanks Keith. Smith. My boss, my boss probably instigated. He said, "We need a camera pointing at the driver to make sure he doesn't have anybody in there with him." Right. <laughs> well, and isn't that one of the oh, and to see if you're texting and stuff like that? Yeah, ours right? is basically texting well, as we're trying yeah, to get our safety score what, good. Right, and Scott told me a story about how he tried to get the dispatcher like. You know, pull a joke on the dispatcher, and he knew that he, they were watching him. So he told him this. I didn't get my. I didn't know about a back hole. Like <laughs> yeah. with a total straight face for like five minutes, and then he goes, "Just kidding." Yeah, he he, <laughs> he calls me up because because uh, I had started super early. This Chief White Claw, and he goes, "Hey, you grabbed that back hole at a GMA over in Coos Bay, right?" I went, back hole? I didn't know what I had back a hole? back hole. Yeah. What back hole? <laughs> and it goes dead silent, and I'm I'm trying not to laugh because I know he's watching me, and I'm trying not to laugh. Then he obviously goes, "Please tell me you're fucking kidding me, for the love <laughs> of God." I went, "Yeah, dude, I'm just fucking with you. I'm I'm on my way back. I got it. It's <laughs> yeah. we're, we're good to go." Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I laughed. I laughed for like. Three and a half, four hours. Well, and Scott's like the biggest prankster around, too. Like, if he can get one over on you or whatever, <laughs> he is, like, happier in the sissy at a punk party. That's because I was too short not to crack up and laugh, man. Oh, I know. Man. Totally. Totally. But, well, you know, we were talking about sleeping against the steering wheel. I remember driving down the road one time, and I, 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 and I saw a friend of mine park on the side of the road, and he was asleep with his light on, right? Right. And I just couldn't help myself. I went up there, and I turned around and came back, and I turned around and came back and I pulled right in front of him, turned on my high beams and laid on the horn, just honked my horn like crazy, right? And this guy lifted up his head from the steering wheel, saw the headlights coming at him, and you know he was screaming at the top of his lung. He opened his door and jumped. (laughs) Because he thought you were going to hit him? (laughs) I've actually actually done that to myself. Where I've been sleeping in the sleeping and And I said, I said, hey, Jeff, how you doing? He said, you asshole. Right. <laughs> I, I pulled in the rest area. I pulled the rest area in, in Clay Elm, and I pulled in there, and there's a bunch of trees that get parked there, and I, I forgot the lights, and I leaned against the steering wheel, and I saw the, the trees up there. And when I woke up, I was looking at trees and lights going on the trees, and I started, I, I slammed my foot on the brakes, on the, on the, on the brake pedal, 
hard as I could and had my clenched onto the steering wheel and was screaming to myself. And I looked over and I saw the other driver in the other truck parked next to me looking at me and laughing at me. Yeah, because you forgot that you weren't driving? <laughs> I forgot that I was. I, I actually thought I fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, yeah, my gosh. It's happened to me while laying tired. in my sleeper. Oh that's why, God. you know, I pulled over one time at, at Friday Friday at 2 o'clock in the morning overlooking Ellensburg on Interstate 82 on a on a turnout behind a hill. I went in the sleeper because I was tired. I crawled in the sleeper and I went to sleep and I woke up. I looked at my watch and said 11 o'clock. I said, i got to get to Seattle. <laughs> and I pulled into Seattle and nothing was open. It was Saturday. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> I slept from Friday morning at 2 o'clock. I, I hadn't been... I woke up Sunday morning, and I hadn't had any sleep from Sunday morning all the way until Friday at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's the old way of trucking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so were I you like other... sleeper, and I went to sleep. Were you like what? other truckers that pop cross tops and everything, too? No. No, okay. I never used drugs. Okay. I never <laughs> used drugs. I, I mean, I would yeah. use no dose oh, or yeah. fiber and stuff you'd buy over the shelf. Right. I think one of my favorite ones was drinking a, a can of Jolt. Oh yeah, the old, the old I jolt. remember Jolt. And, yeah, and then uh, and then eating uh, chocolate covered coffee beans. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I then, remember Jolt. Just cause... drink coffee beans. Just crunch, 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 right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I could stay awake that way. But there comes a time when your body tells you you have to shut down. Oh yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah. I know how that is too because so, it's like I'll be so exhausted. So this, the most interesting call I had was that Saturday morning calling the boss and tell him I'm in Seattle, ready to get unloaded, and found out it's Saturday. <laughs> and he says to me, he says, "Well, what happened?" I told him. I said, "Well, we were looking for. We didn't hear from you all day for all day Friday." I said, "Well, I've been driving all this time, and, and this is in the winter time, and I had to chain up both ways, going to and from Seattle. Every time I crossed the pass, I had to chain up both ways." And the traffic, you're running real slow because it's snow and ice. So right. a, so a, a regular 10-hour day was now, you know, 20 hours long. Wow, and that's, that's how, crazy. That's how, that's how trucking was. But nowadays with, the, with the, the electronic logging you have, I'm sure that you can't, uh, you're given a timeline where you have to be, and that's it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, because they can pinpoint Scott yeah. exactly where he is at any given time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. W- w- within literally within a couple yeah. of feet. Yeah. And I used to run this. I used to skirt the scales. I wouldn't go across the port of entries of the scales. I knew how to get around them. Uh, oh, well, there you go. Just because. Yeah. So, you know, and weight-wise, I'd haul extra weight and all that because that's what we did. The boss right. was always, if, if I was driving for somebody, the boss was, was never guilty of anything. Even though he right. told you, I want you to drive overnight to L.A. from, right. from Seattle. But he can't legally tell you to do that. And if you got caught doing that, he'd say, I didn't tell him to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Plausible denial. Yeah, exactly. The back then. Yeah. So the, the driver was always responsible for his load. He's also responsible for his paperwork. Right. And everything. So you everything falls back on the driver. The driver yep. responsibility for everything. Yeah, Even Scott though... Was- your oh, boss, ahead. your boss is is immune to all that stuff. Right. Scott was telling yeah. me he got a ticket for overweight like several years ago, and I said that's wrong that they ticket you for being having a fat butt. You're a <laughs> dick, Tam. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, See the shit I got to put up no, with, man. Well, that's a well, joke it because on how fat it is. Right. Well, <laughs> how, how much weight? 
when I was driving for Jerry Steele, I could haul 78,000 pounds because that's all I could. I could only get 10,000 on the steer axle. Okay. Normally, I would be able to get 12, but because I had a fixed fifth wheel, I could never slide it forward get an extra 2,000 pounds on it. So I could only haul legally 78,000, but I came out of Portland uh, with a load that weighed over 122,000 pounds. Wow. Jamie, Christmas. Yeah, well, and I made I, that. I, I, I actually hauled that all the way to Yakima, and I was able to make it there without too much well, of a problem. There you go. But I made that joke with Scott because when I was younger, like 11, 12 years old, and I lived in Iowa, we'd get the little small town newspaper and would always give the police log and they go so and so pulled over for overweight i'm like why are these ticketing these people for being fat that's not okay and then my aunt goes are you no. serious that's truckloads i'm like oh <laughs> no but i was so naive back then because my grandpa had the uh the dimmer like the bright switch uh, as a button on the floor on the bright you know on the left side by the door and i saw yeah. it it because he had a three in the tree and i go Grandpa, what's that? And he goes, that's an eject button in case you kids act out. And I, every time I got in the truck, I was on my best behavior. And my grandma goes, why are you so good? And the other kids are acting out. I said, I don't want to be ejected. She goes, oh, my God, Tammy, I can't believe you believed him. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what? Why would, grandpa li- why would Grandpa Jay lie to me? <laughs> Keep you little brats in order. That's why. Keep well, and he's the one that threw his teeth well, at me across the table. If you're riding, if you're riding my truck with me. Uh-huh. I'd ask you to. I can't. I'd tell you to go watch out the window for a key key bird. Oh, and and I'll keep you occupied watching, looking for a key key bird. Oh, okay. That's like you snipe what, hunting. You know, what a key, you know what a key key bird is? No. It's that bird that sits on a pole. You know, in the middle of winter time, saying key 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 key. Christ, it's cold out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's like going snipe hunting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, every kid has to go through snipe hunting. <laughs> that is a fact. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it's like you Submarine do things to races. keep yeah, kids occupied. And it's crazy. I remember telling my son, look for the alphabet on this road signs. <laughs> and he'd be well, like, okay. We had the games. We had the, the road games. We always had, uh, there, was, there was a game out there you could buy that had a listing of things to look for. Right, right, right. It's a point. It's a bunch of points. It's like playing Yahtzee. Right. Only with, with you know, looking for a dog walking on the side of the road or right. or, or in a car or something. Some, uh, uh, you know, the old slug bug type routine, right? Oh, yeah. I never allowed slug bug in my car when my kid was little. But we always had, like, the Mad Lib magazines. My mom would buy us, like, each a Mad Lib magazine, and that would keep us occupied to and from the coast and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? But, Yeah. Those, I mean, those were back in crazy days when there were no such thing as seat belts and you know, car seats and everything. Well, you know, you bring up the seat belt. You know, I laid a truck over on the side of the road because of a seat belt. Oh wow! When seat belts came came into you know where they, I think it was back in 1987 when they finally said we all had to wear seat belts. Right. In our trucks. Yeah. I was driving south on 97, going uh, out of Toppenish, Washington. And the scale house was open up in front, and so I oh shit I got to put my seatbelt on. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a shoulder belt. I right. only had a lap belt. I flipped up my lap belt onto my lap to to buckle it in between steering my wheel. Well, I didn't realize that I flipped up the belt. It landed in the steering wheel. Oh my goodness! And it locked in the steering wheel, so I couldn't steer. Wow! And when I realized that the, that I couldn't steer, I had to turn right really quick. Pull the seatbelt out. That by that time, my 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 
tire on my trailer it slid off the road on the gravel and it just sucked me over and I just laid it right upside down on the side. Wow. Right, right in front of the scale house, right in front of the scale house. Just laid the whole thing. It's a 1984 uh, Freightliner conventional and I had a load of potatoes wow. on it and it, it wrecked the trailer. The, the whole load went right to the top of the trailer. Wow. So it, it was, and that was and I was only, you know, eight miles from my house. Wow, that's like the sex toy accident in Oklahoma not too long ago where that you guy would tipped over where the guy tipped over his his trailer and it was like all of a sudden all these sex toys are on the highway and it's like okay. And then Tammy cried. She's like, I could have <laughs> used it, that on that was my delivery. No, <laughs> that's my delivery so I could work on Sandy Boulevard. Shut up! I hate you. Yeah, but I had a guy. I had a guy who we were talking. They were talking on the radio, and I was down in Wheat, California. One was talking about how this guy is left. You know flipped his trailer on his side there because of the seatbelt. And I was the one in the group, and I was listening to him, and finally I told him, I said, I'm the guy that was, that did that. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I didn't want to go stop and have a cup of coffee and talk about it, but this is, it wasn't uncommon. My boss wow. knew exactly how I how I wrecked the truck. Right. He said, you flipped that seatbelt up in your damn steering wheel, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I did. Right. Right? Yeah, and I mean, I paid the yeah. 20, I, I had to pay the $2,500 deductible. Wow. So the truck was righted and everything like that. So I paid the right. deductible on the insurance. Wow. But that's how that's how that, that's how come they went to shoulder harnesses. Yeah. That makes well that the makes re- total the sense. Retractable, the retractable shoulder harness didn't come into play until right around eighty eighty seven, eighty eight when they they implemented the seatbelt rule in trucks. Right. That that's Yeah, crazy. because other people were flipping their we didn't drive with seatbelts on all the time. We never did. Right. The only yeah, time we put it on was when we pulled into a scale house and said we had to have it on. Yeah, and I remember growing up as like, my mom let me stand. She was driving my grandpa's cargo van, and I stood up in the middle of the two seats just standing there. Nobody cared. Well, yeah, our seatbelt <laughs> when we yeah, were well, kids used, used to be mom's used to ride in a pickup truck. Soccer mom. People used to ride in the back of a pickup. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. We always did that. And I was coming, when I was a teenager, I was coming down from the cemetery and Cherry Grove, and I had eight people in my Ford Taurus and three people on the roof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, all yeah, we, that. We didn't always wear seatbelts. A lot of the old cars never had seatbelts in. Right. Exactly. They coming into what, in the 50s, in the late 50s, 60s? Maybe, yeah, I think it was the 60s. Mandatory. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I tell you what. And I think wearing a seatbelt is a violation of my civil rights, but... Whatever, I still do it because I don't want a ticket. <laughs> you want to live when you get in a wreck. Is what well, you do. well, see, but I've heard some stories where you know the person has died because they had their seatbelt on. So it's like, okay, well, I hear on both sides, but you know, I hate wearing a seatbelt. No, I don't. Well, I don't I like to feel belt, confined. The one place where I'd always wear a seatbelt was when I when I was running a, a D eight cat or or something like that on the hills. Because okay. I want to stay in this, you know, a lot of the times I'd, I'd run to like an old international TDA or, or run to a cat, big cat. They have seat belts for a reason. You want to stay in the seat when you're doing a side hill, you don't fall out of the damn thing. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, that's the last of the call for okay. today. Yeah. That is true. That is, thanks for calling, Keith. Come ben, up, we, come as up always. Another, another, what other stories we want to talk about, and we'll go from there. Right. We shall, we man. Shall. We'll come up with something. <laughs> yeah, All right, okay. buddy. You, you try to take care, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'll call you in the middle of the week sometime. Okay. All right, bro. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, bye. 
Well, those calls went to fucking bizarre. Dude. <laughs> From all right to shit show. No, I'm kidding. No. They weren't no, that no. bad. They were pretty all right. Anything you want to add before we close this one out? No, I think we're good. All right. Yeah. Remember, boys and girls, that I'm a stud. Okay. And if you're a little Korean lady, feel free to send me an email. No, um, <laughs> no don't do it. I told no, you I'm not going to make him work. For the love of God, protect yourself. Don't do it. I'm not going to make him work with collars or... Mm-hmm. They, they, okay, uh-huh. they, they don't have to sleep in a dog crate or anything. Okay. Oh, you take all the fun out. I know. Remember to check out our Etsy shop. Check us out on Facebook at Citizens of Brutal Nation so you can interact with other people as well as us. What else? Um, this show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.